Since the inception of the United States of America on July 4, 1776, every generation of Americans have been called on to defend freedom and liberty. Over the years, more than 42 million American men and women have served their country in time of war. This day, this weekend, is to honor and remember all the, all the more than a million servicemen and women who have secured the blessings of liberty with their lives. The Bible says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Today we remember, we remember those that we've placed on the cross, we remember those that uh, are in our hearts. But today I want to remember Jesus. Jesus is my favorite topic. And I don't just say that because I'm a pastor. I really do admire and love and long to meet Jesus. Out of all the people that have ever walked on the face of the earth. And there's several reasons why. And you have reasons why, I'm sure. And so I was thinking about today and I think, let's just... I mean, it's church, so it's natural that we talk about Jesus anyway. But I just want to talk about him, and I want to share some, some thoughts and some quotes from some famous people. I want, to sh- I want to open up God's Word and see what does God's Word say about Jesus. And there's no way we can exhaust the topic. No way. We don't have enough time uh, in our lives to make that happen. <laughs> First of all, I want, to, I want to introduce you to someone. This is my friend Jason. I'm not going to embarrass him. Um, nor am I going to let him get up here and speak because he'll get up here and preach. We'll be here forever. This is my friend Jason. Jason was and is my best friend. We grew up together. We went to school together. He left for a short period of time in high school to go to Arizona to listen to some really weird music. And then he came back to, for his senior year and he lived in our home and we spent time together. And when Jason was a young man, I mean, I grew up in church and Jason and I would have these discussions and Jason would think, man, the Bible, it's just made up. It's just made up. And I was like, dude, one of these days, Jesus is going to get a hold of you. And he's going to change your life. And he did. And when was it, Jason? What year was it that he, I had my friend come and speak at our youth camp. And he came and preached the gospel to students. And I thought, what a great turn of events. Is, that's the difference Jesus makes in a life. To go from someone who, I don't know that you were an atheist, I think it's probably more agnostic. Uh, You know, like, show me, prove to me this is real. And Jesus changed my friend's life. And he was in town. This is the annual alumni celebration at our little town we grew up in. And uh, I said, dude, you're two hours away. Just get in the car and come up here. And so he did. I'm really glad you're here, man. What what an honor to be able to share the gospel uh, while you're here. So here's some quotes about this man, Jesus. Jesus is God spelling himself out in a language that men can understand. S.D. Gordon, who was a speaker and author in the early 1900s. Napoleon Bonaparte said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and, and, and I, Napoleon said, I have founded empires, but on what did we rest the creation of our genius? We founded our empires upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. 
And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Another quote, I am a historian, I am not a believer, but I confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. H.G. Wells, famous for the, the, uh, the book The Time Machine and The War of the Worlds. Whatever may be the surprises of the future, Jesus will never be surpassed. The greatest among the sons of men, his suffering will melt the noblest hearts and bring forth tears from innumerable eyes from the life of Jesus by Ernest Renan, a great French and Oriental linguist scholar who once, prior to the quotes above, tried to tear the Bible to pieces with his arguments about how it was not true. Jesus Christ is to me the outstanding personality of all time, all history, both as the Son of God and as the Son of Man. Everything he ever said or did has value for us today. And that is something you can say of no, that is something you can say of no other man, dead or alive. There is no easy middle ground to stroll upon when it comes to Jesus. Either you accept him or you reject him. Solemn Ash, a Polish-born American Yiddish writer. And then this is, this is one of my favorite ones from a guy named Peter Larson. He says, despite our efforts to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance and left through a door marked no exit. And then here's my quote. There is no one who has lived on this earth that has loved more unconditionally, more extravagantly, and more completely than Jesus. He gave everything while expecting nothing in return. He is worthy of my worship and praise. He is worthy of my time and treasure. He is my role model. He is my Savior. Did anybody see the Royals game yesterday? May I get a chance to see that? Any, any takers here? <laughs> All right. Most people probably gave up on the game, especially in the ninth inning when at the bottom of the ninth inning they were down by six runs. I had sat down to finish up some sermon prep, and I checked my ESPN app, and I thought, oh, the game's still on. There's still a chance, right? If the game is still on, you know, it's, they still got a couple outs left, there's a chance, a slim chance, the, new, the odds would be against them, but there's still a chance. And so I turned the TV on, and I was caught up <laughs> in this incredible comeback. And more so than in the, the incredible comeback, I was overwhelmed by the joy after the comeback. You could see it, three and two count, second game this young man has ever played in the major leagues. He's up there, really pressure but no pressure because if he walks they win if he strikes out they still have an inning to play but this guy hit, gets a hit and and at that point you know they're going to win it's a walk-off the comeback is complete and you saw the inexpressible joy of men acting like little kids <laughs> after the the the, uh, the guy crosses home plate 
and they jump on top of the guy who got the hit, and they just jump around, and they have this incredible joy. And I'll just be honest with you, at that particular point in my, in, in my watching this, I thought to myself, I'm a little bit jealous, because I... Sports weren't that exciting when we were in high school, were they, Jason? We never had any of those kind of moments. And I'm too old now to probably ever have that kind of moment. Like, there's no chance of me ever getting to be in their place. And as a, and as a man, as a guy who loves athletics, there was a small part of me that grieved that a little bit, but only for a short period of time. And then I found myself... Oddly enough, weeping because, not only because of their joy, which is short-lived because, you know what, then they got to play another game today. <laughs> you know, there's the, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. That's just life. But there, but there was something in me that, that, that caused me to go back to this, my favorite subject, Jesus. And I thought about the joy that I will experience at that moment when I get to see Jesus one of these days face to face. And the difference between that joy and the joy that I saw on the TV is that joy is going to last for eternity. The joy they had last night is already over because now they're preparing again to play. And so it, I didn't feel quite as bad after that. <laughs> Didn't feel quite as old. <laughs> I felt like there is purpose to get up today. Here are a few things the Bible says about Jesus, and obviously I cannot touch them all. There's just no way. No way. And I'll give some uh, scripture references, and then we'll read some scripture out of the, uh, Isaiah chapter 53. So if you have a Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 53, get your finger ready for that. We'll get to that in a moment. But I want to share some thoughts about Jesus, and then I'll give the, the passage reference. And so if you're keeping score out there, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. And then I just encourage you to go look it up later on. Or, you know, I know sometimes some people will tell me, Brady, you said that one passage, and I got to reading that, and I just stay there. I didn't even pay attention to the rest of the sermon. Hey, if you're in God's Word and it's speaking to you, that's better than my words. I guarantee it. So that's fine with me. So these are some thoughts about Jesus as we remember him today. And if you, you see that the table has been set, we're going to share a communion at the end of the service. And so it's an, open, it's an open invitation for you to come. You don't have to be a member of the, of the Calling Community Church. You just have to belong to the Lord, belong to Jesus, and you're welcome to come. And if you don't belong to Jesus, my prayer is that by the time we're done, you will. <laughs> you can put your faith in him at any moment, any time. You don't have to wait till the end of the service. You don't have to wait until tragedy hits you. <laughs> you can call out to Jesus and, and he will save you right where you're at. So that's a beautiful thing about him. Jesus doesn't wait till you get it all figured out, does he, Jason? <laughs> he takes you just like you are. <laughs> so here's some thoughts about Jesus. He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah chapter 9. 
He was to be born of a virgin. You can find that in the Gospels of Matthew and, and Luke. There's a funny story that I ran across because I was thinking, what are some funny things that kids say about Jesus? So a Sunday school teacher asked her class, what was Jesus' mother's name? Okay, what was Jesus' mother's name? Mary, we all know that. So the teacher then asked the next logical question, okay, who knows what Jesus' father's name was? And so a little kid spoke up and said, his name was Verge. The teacher was a little confused and she said, where did you get that? The kid said, well, you know, they're always talking about Virgin Mary. You'll pick it up one of these days. <laughs> you'll get it. If you didn't get it, listen to the podcast later and you'll, it'll make sense. Jesus was given the name Jesus for a purpose. Yeshua, the Lord is salvation is what it means because he would save his people from their sin. Matthew 1. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Colossians 1. He is the radiance of God's glory and exact representation of God's being. Hebrews 1. He is the Word made flesh who made His dwelling among us. John 1. He brings good news to the poor, release to the captives, sight to the blind, and freedom to to the oppressed. That's his mission statement. Luke chapter 4. He is able to sympathize with us. He was tempted in all ways, but without sin. Hebrews chapter 4. He is bread for the hungry, living water for the thirsty, light for those walking in darkness. He's a good shepherd who takes care of his sheep. He is the way, he is the truth, and he's the life. The Gospel of John. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1. He is the sacrifice once for all. Hebrews chapter 10. And then he is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He is, he was, and he is to come. Revelation 1. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 53. This is a prophetic word. <laughs> That's good, I love that. There's some joy right there, yeah. Some joy. He's like, what? You ever heard that story where a little boy's getting taken out of church? He's like, please pray for me. He's not in trouble. He's too little to be in trouble. So this is a prophetic word about Jesus long before he was born from the book of Isaiah. And let's look at, starting at verse 2. For he, for Jesus, grew up before his father like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing about Jesus' physical appearance, but there was something about his 
countenance, his, his inside, the way he loved and the way he treated people made him beautiful. Jesus physically might not have been the one you would think is the leader, like the one you would pick. Beauty and vanity is so important in our, in our world. But Jesus loved with truth and he loved with actions that caused him to be beautiful. But in verse 3 it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. But we esteem him now. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And all like sheep we have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Second Corinthians 5, it says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. The ultimate soldier, the ultimate warrior, taking on the battle for all of us, one for all time, takes the sin of the world upon him, takes it to the cross, that's where it's nailed, and because of that, we can be called the righteousness of God, undeserved, unfavored righteousness, nothing we've done to deserve it. Matter of fact, we've proven over and over and over again in our lives that we've done everything not to deserve it. That's why his grace and his mercy is so amazing, isn't it? That's why his love surpasses the love of anyone that's ever walked on the face of this planet. He took our sin. The Royals game, and even last night if you watched the NBA, the, the Warriors were done. They were out, and they came back and won. But there is no greater comeback than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death defeated. So that we might have hope. Not just in the life to come. So that we can have hope right here and right now. Is there any situation in your life right now that you need some hope? Yes. We all, we all need hope. Just look, at the, the, just look at the news and it causes us to get on our knees and cry out for hope. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we say we need some hope. I want to finish with this passage of Scripture. It's, you've heard it before. And you maybe heard me say that this is my favorite passage of Scripture to share at a funeral, at the graveside. As you think about the comeback, you think about the joy that we're going to experience at this great comeback that's going to happen. 
Jesus is going to intrude <laughs> upon this earth one more time. And that's when he comes again. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, it says, encourage one another with these words. I hope you're encouraged by these words. Because it may feel like in your life, Maybe at this particular moment, maybe at different times, or maybe in the future, it's going to feel like that it's the bottom of the ninth inning and you're down by six runs. <laughs> and statistically, you're out. It's, it's over. People left the stadium. It's over. Dumped out their leftover beer. <laughs> kicked over their popcorn. Went to their car. People, it's just a game. <laughs> it's not life. <laughs> Sometimes people treat it that way. But you might feel like right now that we are, we are down by this many runs. There's really no hope. I just want to give up. It's then, I think, more than any other time, God is wanting to and desiring to intrude into your life. To come into your dugout and say, hey, don't give up. we still got three outs left. There's still a chance. We're still in, right? We're still in the game. We're still breathing. And then the comeback happens, and it's, it's secured, and the victory, and there's joy. There's going to be great joy someday, ladies and gentlemen. Great joy. But don't wait till you're on your death bed or your deathbed to experience that joy. You can experience that joy right now, right here, right now. We want to remember the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. Body broken, blood spilled out. For the forgiveness of the sin of the world. Let's bring it home just a little bit. For the forgiveness, for your forgiveness. My wife loves me. She loves Jesus more than she loves me. And that love for Jesus is going to last forever. Her love for me, I mean, she'll still love me even after I'm gone. Not that I'm anticipating being gone anytime soon. But her love for Jesus lasts forever. And it's going to give her an eternal benefit that 
It's never going to be taken away from her. Let me ask you a question this morning as we finish up our time. We're going to, I'm, going to show, um, I'm going to show another short video clip, and then we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. Are you ready for Jesus' return? I hope that you are. Have you put your hope and your trust in Jesus? Have you confessed Jesus as your Savior with your mouth? Have you believed in your heart that He is Lord and He died for you and He rose again on the third day? He completed the comeback from death. Are you ready for that moment? I hope that you are.